I'm just going to give you a little introduction of the series that I'm kicking off. I tell you, God has just been dealing with me all summer and moving and, and, and challenging me all this summer. And I believe that we're getting ready to go into one of the most amazing seasons, not just in Bethel, but in the body of Christ that the body of Christ has ever seen. I believe that God is gearing us up. I believe God is setting us up. I believe God has fixed the game, rigged the game for those that follow him and are hungry for the flow that God wants us to be in. I want you to realize that you can, you can might as well just, just be sick and tired of being sick and tired of yesterday and begin to look to your future and step into the future because God doesn't want you living out of your history. God wants you moving and living out of your future. And I'm going to encourage you throughout this month with this series that God put on my heart, and I believe it would be a blessing to you. And the title of it is Dropping Your Nets. Dropping Your Nets. And every one of us have certain nets. Every one of us have good things and bad things that sometimes we just have to drop and put to the side. But the reason is, it's not about your stuff or my stuff. It's really not even about us. It's truly about coming into your calling, coming into your purpose, coming into the plan that God has for your life. And I base this series off of a hallmark scripture that I've been preaching since the doors opened here at Bethel, and it's out of 2 Timothy 1.9. And here it is. It says, He who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given, in, given us in Christ Jesus before time began. I want you to realize that before time began, God set things up. Before time began, God knew you. Before, God, before time began, God designed and planned things for you. He tells us in Genesis 1 that, not, that he, we've been created in his own image and his own likeness, both male and female. And what did he do? He put us in charge that we would go forth and take dominion, that we'd be in his image and likeness, and we would go forth and take dominion of the fish, the sea, the fowl, the air, and everything that creeps on the earth. That God had a plan for you to step out before you were even born. God had a plan for you to step up before you were ever born. God had a plan and, a, and he designed you to reach out beyond yourselves before you were ever born. Now, Satan wants us to think that we're junk. Satan wants us to think that we're busy. Satan wants us to think that we're tired or we're weary or we've been weary in well-doing. But I got good gospel news for you, that God has an anointing on you and in you that's greater than any problem, any situation, or any good thing that he has laid out for you to do to overcome or to accomplish. But you and I have to come to the place where we open ourselves up and realize that if we are saved, if we are born again, if we are blood-bought, if we are Christ followers, if we accepted Jesus Christ in our heart to be our Lord and Savior and confess it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we're saved. And if you and I are saved, then it says we are also what? Called. The word called, kaleo in the Greek, one of the terms for it is, means to be legally summoned. We've been legally summoned. We've been called out by God. You could have been born in any time. You could have been born in any dispensation, but God designed you and God planned you for this time, for this moment. This is your now. 
But it's time to move beyond your history. It's time to move beyond what you thought things should be or the way things should be. I want you to realize that when you hear the sound of the rain, the abundance of the rain coming, the sound is not always the same. It might appear to be the same, but you don't know the impact until the rain comes through. Sometimes it's a drizzle. Sometimes it's just a nice steady shower. And sometimes it causes a flood. And I want you to realize that I hear the abundance. I hear the sound of the rain coming, coming for this house, coming for this city, coming for this region, and coming for this nation. And that sound is a flood of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people trying to imitate. There's a lot of people trying to work in their flesh and do stuff. I'm telling you right now, as we follow Christ, he is going to release such an abundance of his rain to wash out, to break loose, to overpower strongholds in your life on your life and in front of you. Also strongholds over the body of Christ. But it's up to you and I to realize that if I am saved, I am also called. Now there's different kinds of callings of course. There's callings of five-fold ministry gifts we understand. Some are called to be pastors and prophets and evangelists and teachers and apostles. Uh, We're all called by the Great Commission to win the lost and to heal the sick and to do all those things. The Great Commission to go forth and, and, and take over nations and make disciples out of nations and all of that. That's it. it. We're here more than just five-fold ministry. We're here to be missionaries for God wherever we're at. We're here to take a jump. We're here to take a leap. We're here to take a step. We're here not to move backward, not to stand still, but you and I are here to move forward. So I want to talk to you today about, as I kick this off, about coming into your calling. You see, you've got to begin to recognize that God doesn't make junk. You've got to begin to recognize that if God has you on this earth breathing right now, then he must have an amazing plan for your life. But you see, the issue that we have is most Christians live saved, but not called. Most Christians live saved, but not called. We live blood-bought. We live born again. We live loving God more than the world. We live knowing that we'll inherit heaven someday. The problem is we live saved, but not called. We can, we can feel like we're uh, uh, saved to the, to the fact of, man, what we're doing in our life and how God's moving in our life and the things he's doing. But whenever you start living a life that is more than just being saved, being preserved, being healed yourself, being anointed, being free, and you start focusing on the second half of what God designed you to be is that he called you. And if God calls you, God equips you. You see, there's skills, there's talents, there's dreams, there's things down in you that God only put inside of you. And you are the only one that can have the faith to unlock the destiny that's in you. Yes, I can lay hands on you. I can agree with you. And other people can agree with you. And people can prophesy. They can even prophesy to you. It doesn't really matter. They can say, push, kick, beg, plead, give you, want you, push you, pray, prod, whatever they want to do. But ultimately, you have to believe it yourself. You have to know what the Word says. And you have to be the one to take your next step forward. Amen? Hmm. Saved, but not called. 
Look with me if you would, and today I'm just going to preach a couple verses to you out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. I want to help navigate the idea of our purpose for being here, the idea of the calling that we are to come into, and that how God has set us up for such a time as this, to be who he designed us to be, to do what he designed us to do. It says in verse 18, here's Jesus coming up to the disciples. It says, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. They immediately left their nets, and they followed him. What I want you to realize today is when we look at this and Jesus is just walking by and he says, hey, and he sees these two guys and, and these are the first two called disciples in the New Testament. And Jesus sees them there fishing in the Sea of Galilee. And what are they fishing for? They're fishing for fish. And what he's saying to them, he looks at them and he calls them. And when he called them, he said this. He began to let them realize is you are living in one dimension. You're living in a dimension of this earth and this planet, and that's good. That's part, you got one foot here, you're supposed to. He said the dimension you're in right now is you're fishing for fish. And that's good when we fish for fish, right? That's how we fish for our education, our career, our family, our influence, what we're doing here on this planet. But Jesus said, I want to change. You're doing the right thing, just in the wrong dimension. I want to translate what you're doing in the dimension of just fishing for fish, and I want to move you into an entirely new arena. You see, that's what happens. When, when you were not a Christian, when you were, before you were born again, the Bible says when you give your life to Christ, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away, and what all things become new. When you give your life to Christ, you actually move into a new dimension. And most Christians are living in the saved dimension. I'm not hitting the clubs. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm behaving better, and I live better, and I think better, and I do better, and I serve better, and that's all good, but there's an entirely another piece of that dimension that 80% of Christians at least are missing out on, and it's the dimension that Christ is getting ready to mention. He says, you're fishers of men, fishers of fish. That's one dimension. But I want to move you into a new dimension where you become fishers of people. Fishers of people. And he says, what you're doing is okay. You're just doing the right thing in the wrong dimension. And he said, I'm going to shift you. I'm going to take your skills from your past and I'm going to use them in a new dimension. Dimension. I'm going to take your gifts. I'm going to take your talents. I'm going to take your knowledge. I'm going to take your past. I'm going to take your history. And I'm going to make your future. Now, he doesn't want you focusing on your history. He doesn't want you focusing on your past. But you have things in your past that have caused pain. And you have things in your past that have brought joy. And there's good times and great times and sometimes tough times. But God said, I'm going to take all your skills, all your talent, 
All of your tapped potential, your untapped potential, your joy, your celebration, your tears, and your pain, and I'm gonna wrap it all up and I'm gonna equip you to live and operate in a brand new dimension that you haven't tapped into yet. Your calling, your calling. See, everything that you went through was getting you ready for what you're going into. Whenever we look at where we've been and where we've come from and where we plan to go, all of that has been put together and you've walked through it and you're alive and you're breathing today because of what's next for you. I know that when I gave my life to Christ many years ago and I just turned 21 and a lot of you know my testimony, I was a partier and did a lot of crazy stuff. But that night when I gave my life to Christ in that little Nazarene church with about 17 adults, everything changed. Now it changed instantly and I became a new creature. And it just, when I got so focused on Christ, it just took the desire for partying and drugs and all that stuff away. Now that doesn't mean the temptation doesn't come back later. That doesn't mean that you don't face those things later. But for that time, it's just like, man, it just... Just white as snow. Everything, the clouds were white and puffy. The sky was beautiful, blue. You know, it was just amazing. And that was a step. And I began to live saved. You know, but when I lived saved, that was awesome. I wasn't out hitting the streets. I wasn't totaling vehicles. I was getting enrolled back in school. And I actually started a new business. And that was going great. And, and a lot of things was going good. But about two years into it, and I was kind of a testimony to a whole little county that I lived in, a whole little community. But about two years into it, God began to deal with me about preaching, about accepting a call to preach. Now, your call doesn't have to be to preach. Your call ultimately is to love others as yourself, to reach out beyond yourself. Number one, Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Not love your neighbor instead of yourself or love your neighbor and yourself because we could give them a little different level of love than, than we have for ourselves, right? But he said, love your neighbor as yourself. As we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and we put him first, and we love, then all of a sudden we, we operate from this other arena when we come to that point and God touches now, we look to our neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Who's ever in front of you? And if we can truly love them just as they are, not as they should be or we think they should be, if we can accept them and love them as they are, as we love ourselves through the love of God, it will not only bring transformation to you, but it will bring transformation to other people that you come into contact with. You see, whenever I felt this call to go to a whole nother dimension and to preach the gospel, I actually ran from God. I argued with God. I tried to get people to talk to me like, do you think I'm called? And nobody say you are called. And for about eight months, I just totally backslid. I went back to drugs. I went back to everything because I did not want to preach. I did not want to be a little preacher in a country church living in a little block house on the same property as the little church. And I had in my mind, it was just this life of poverty and, and, you know, just total sacrifice and all of the things I'd seen. And, and for about eight months, I ran from God and wrestled with God. But when I did come home, and I, God said, well, I, it's a long story, but a friend was killed in a car accident and blah, blah, blah. And I, I was uh, 
in my bed one night and the Holy Spirit came to me and said, tonight's tonight. I said, what's that? He said, tonight's night, you give your life back to me. And I said, well, you know, I wanted to negotiate. And he said, no, this is it. Now, it doesn't mean it's like that for you. I just knew for me. I said, what do you mean? He said, if you don't come to me tonight, I, you won't in the future. Now, he wasn't saying he wouldn't keep trying in the future. He wasn't saying that he wouldn't keep knocking on my door and bringing conviction in my life. What he was saying was this, was you will stay so focused on this other stuff, you will bury yourself in your business, you'll bury yourself in life, you'll bury yourself in what you're doing to the point that you think you don't need me till it's too late, you'll never come home to me. And immediately I just started crying, I was like, God, no, I wanna come home, I wanna give my life to you. He said, well, you gotta do it. I said, when? He said, right now. I said, it's like one in the morning. He said, right now. And he said, I said, okay, I'll do it. I said, so I was gonna drive to my mother's house and, and uh, and, and he said, uh, oh, one other thing. I said, what that? He said, you got to accept the call to preach. And I'm like, what? Accept the call? Whoa, 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 whoa. Accept the call to preach. I'm not, remember this whole thing? I own businesses and I'm not called to do that. And we talked about this. And he said, no, that's the deal. And I just began to cry. I felt the presence of God so strong. I knew this was serious. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. He said, okay, go on, pray through. And then when you get done, Stand up in church and testify this coming Sunday. You're called to preach. And it was, it was scary. I did it. And it changed me forever. Why? Because for me, there were certain gifts and talents that God put in me that he did not want on the sideline. And I want to challenge you. It doesn't mean you're called to be a five-fold ministry office or a, sta a staff person or at a church or anything like that. But your calling is just as important who God wants you to influence, who God wants you to step out and reach, who God wants you to touch. You see, you're a missionary, whether you're an attorney or a businesswoman or a businessman. Or you're, you're a missionary, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a custodian, whether you're just in the neighborhood. You're, you're called to reach out, to step out, to move beyond your comfort zone and to reach others. You got to drop your nets. You got to come into the calling and the potential it's in you. It's time to come off the sidelines. Jesus said, look, guys, I'm going to bring you. I'm going to take your skills, whatever they are, whatever I put in you before the world began, whatever I designed you. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I, I, I'm going to bring it out of you. But you, you got to follow. You see, that's the key. What did he do? When he came over, he said, first of all, I'm going to make you fishers of men, right? I'm going to take you out of one dimension and put you in another dimension, but you got to make the decision. So, so if I say, uh, Rick, come here for just a second, if you would. Come on up here real quick, Rick. Um, this is Rick Boone. He's one of my armor bearers, amazing guy. Now, the only reason I called Rick up here for, he didn't even know I was going to do this. I did it with someone else. The first service is this. I asked Rick to come up here, why? Because Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, when God calls you, it's your responsibility to respond. But it's not your responsibility to make yourself into something. You see, that's where most people miss it. When I was called into ministry, I felt like, how can I be that? How can I do that? You see, it doesn't matter what you're called into so much because God knows, but if you're willing to respond when God speaks to you, that's your responsibility. Now, once you do that, God's responsibility is to make you into whatever he asks you to respond to. Thank you, Rick. God bless you.
You see, so I don't know. Maybe for you it's to step out and to, to, to love your wife and your family more, to love your neighborhood more, to give more, to serve more. Always it's going to be more. Or maybe it is to move into another high calling or to learn more about God or to go to our Bethel School of Ministry or to do something else. Whatever it is, I know that you'll never be totally happy until you come out of complacency. God didn't call you to be on the sidelines. God didn't call you to be an observer. You see, right now, while you're breathing and living on this planet, this is really the shortest experience of your existence. Whether you live 80 or 100 or 120 years, what's that in eternity? Forever just blows that away. But what we do in this short span, whether it's 50, 60, 80, 100, 120 years, whatever it is, even though it's the least time we will spend in this existence in all of our eternities, it's not even a dot of our time, the importance is overwhelming. The importance is so overwhelming because this is our opportunity to say, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, I'm willing to follow you. You see, it's God's responsibility when we take that action, that step to follow him, then it's his responsibility, his job to make us into whatever he's calling us into. But so many times we get all caught up in our nets. We get all caught up in change. And, oh, God, I can't be that. I can't do that. I can't serve there. I, I can't make that kind of holy, commitment of holiness. I, I, yeah, you can't. He didn't ask you to, to have the ability. He asked you to have the obedience to follow him. Because as you follow him, things begin to change. Things begin to drop off you. Things become different. And what's interesting here, we do the following. God does the changing. And then it says in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. You see, too many of us, we have experiences and we'll live for the experience for a while, but we miss out on the most important thing, which is the relationship. You see, whenever we think about experiences and we think about relationships, you know, coming to church, that's an experience, right? Come on Sunday and great worship and you have preaching, you have children's ministries and all that. That's an experience. But being bought in, being an owner, being a member, being sold out, being committed and serving and giving and loving others and sacrificing, that's a relationship. You know, it's like marriage. Like whenever we look at a wedding, that's an event, right? A lot of money, big hoopla, a lot of stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's stressful but awesome. It, it, it's an event. But a marriage is a relationship. Conceiving a child, having a child is, giving birth to a child is an event. It's amazing. You're, you're standing there, you're watching this thing happen. It's, it's awesome. If you're the wife, it's like, God bless you. I'm glad God made me a man for now. This is well, always, but... God bless you, you were made for this, not me. I'm a wimp when it comes to that. So, so, but what happens? It's still beautiful, as painful it is, as, as the agony, it's still one of the most beautiful events I've ever experienced. Probably the top two were the two seeing our boys come to pass and being here. And, and what are you saying, Pastor? Man, it's awesome to have those events happen. It's awesome and you don't ever want to forget them, but it's still an event. But a marriage, but raising a child is a relationship. You see, you can bring kids into this earth, but if you're not going to be the mother or the father, if you're not going to parent them, if you're not going to raise them, then it was just an event. And it affects everyone. 
And the sad thing is in the body of Christ today, salvation has become an event. Salvation is, oh, I get to escape hell. Oh, I get forgiven. Oh, I get rid of some guilt. Oh, I get rid of some condemnation. And then we go on and live in our lives using our skills, our influence, our time for things other than what God designed us to do. That does, he takes your career. He takes your education. He, he, he takes your lack of education, lack of career. He takes everything he put in you and all the influence and as you follow him, your calling becomes more real and real and real. And from step to step, season to season, transformation takes place. You see, change comes while we're following Jesus. If we truly follow him with all of our heart and, and we say, okay, Lord, you just use me. Use what I have. Use what I can do. Use where I'm going. Use everything, God. As we do that, Incremental change begins to happen in our lives. You see, we're trying to get God to change it all at one time, right? But he's saying, here's how it happens. As you follow me, I make you into who you're supposed to be. There's a verse I love of scripture. We'll get ready to wrap up here. But in Proverbs 37, 23, it says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You see, what's it saying there? You, to be righteous, you have to be born again, right? You have to be saved because if we're saved, we're what called. The steps of a righteous man are ordered to the Lord. And when I become a child of God and I take that step, boom, now I'm in the kingdom. But also, every step after that's ordered to the Lord. And as I serve God and love God and follow God, each step, each incremental step, transformation happens. Calling becomes clear. Influence becomes clear. Skill sets grow. But it takes us to seek, to love, and to serve. And as we do, transformation happens in our lives. You know, when I think of this scripture, and I think of Peter and Andrew, and then I think of Luke chapter 5 where Jesus came up and he actually used Peter's boat and he preached out of it. And whenever he asked Peter, when he came up, and there was thousands of little fishing vessels and they had fished all night, hadn't caught anything, and he came up to Peter and Andrew and he said, hey, this is the same time. He said, can I, can I use your vessel? And Peter's, uh, okay, yes, Lord. So Jesus got in his vessel. What happened? That would be a representation of like Peter getting saved, wasn't it? It's like, okay, you can use my vessel. And he said, launch out a little. So he launched out a little. And what happened? They, he preached to those thousands of people on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And then he looked at Peter when he was done because he laid Jesus' vessel. He said, launch out into the deep. And he said, but master, we fished all night and we've caught nothing. We've already cleaned the nets. And Jesus said, launch out in the deep. He said, well, nevertheless, at your will, Lord, we'll do it. He obeyed. He got Christ on his boat. He obeyed. And they launched out into the deep. You see, they had tried to fish in shallow waters, and that's where they were normally successful. They could see where to throw the nets, and they could handle the tide, and they knew where the best spots were. But even in all their knowledge and their skills, they still were empty-handed, and they were tired. And I believe there's some of you 
You may have more money in the bank than you ever dreamed you'd have, or you may not have any. You, your career may be fabulous, or it may be awful. Your marriage may be great, or you may have just went through divorce. I don't know. Maybe you're a student, and you're believing for your next relationship, or you're believing for this or that. I don't know where you're at, but I do know this. Whatever the next step with God is, is better than where you're at. And it's better than wherever you would take a step if you wanted to take it yourself. And as they launched out, it says, he said then, he said, uh, drop your nets. And as they dropped their nets, the Bible says that they began to pull up a load so big it was breaking the nets that they had to call their partners in. But here's the thing about dropping your nets. Whenever they were dropping their nets, it's kind of like us. I, I think about that, and I think about Peter. And, it, and we're going to get into this next week more. I'm going to get into this piece of it more. But I want to talk to you as we're closing down now. As we're dropping the nets, you know, that can represent things you drop that hold you back. Nets can represent, you know, a sin that so easily besets you, an addiction. It can represent an offense, a hurt, a pain. Your nets can also represent good things that just block your view of God and take your time that you really don't put God before those things. Or, you know, God's a close second or third, but those things, those people are before it. But Jesus said for him, first of all, he had to take a step. He had to let Jesus on his boat. Secondly, Peter had to launch out into the deep, into a new season. And then what happened? He still had to obey step by step. Now drop your nets. And what's interesting is Peter dropped his nets and then they pulled in the load. That represented good stuff. And when they came back to the shore, what did Jesus say then? As he began to get down his knees and repent to Jesus, and, and Jesus said, no. So he said, yeah. He said, but I'm going to make you fisher. You're no longer fish for fish, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. References to the same reference I started the service with. And Peter accepted. And from that point on, he didn't worry about his boat or his nets. He just walked away. And there's times in your life when you give your life to Christ, you sell out. And you just sell out. Everything you have, everything you are, everything you will be. But as we do this thing a while, we slowly start putting value on our nets and picking nets up. We pick some good things up that mean more to us than they should. We pick some bad things up that used to hold us back. And Peter was no different than you and I. We're no different than Peter. He was picking up some things, going to places he shouldn't be, listening to things he shouldn't listen to, saying things he shouldn't say, participating in things he shouldn't participate in. And at first, it didn't seem like a load. It didn't seem like a lot. But as Peter kept doing it, then it was more difficult to follow Christ. You see, as the pressure came when Jesus told them that he was going to be crucified, and Peter's like, oh, no, you won't be crucified. No way. We won't allow that to happen. And he's running his mouth. But just before that, he's the one that Jesus said, on this rock, I'll build my church. And before the end of the chapter, Jesus is looking at Peter and said, I rebuke you, Satan. That quickly. That quickly we can just get out of step. That doesn't mean Peter was lost. It just means that he was following his emotions. He was following his desires. And there was this thing in Peter as well as the other disciples that, that wanted Jesus to be the next David. 
They didn't have a mindset big enough to grasp that he was the savior of the world, that he was the king of all kings and he was eternal. And he was, they wanted him to set up a new kingdom and kick the Romans out and take over and they would be royalty. They didn't understand the royalty that they were was way bigger than natural royalty or natural kingdoms or power. The power that he had was eternal and greater than any power man has ever known or ever will know. The kingdom is more real. The unseen is more real than the seen. And everything that is seen comes out of that. I don't want to lose you here, but I, I'm just trying to share my heart with you. I was a little more structured for a service, but I just felt with you guys today, I just need to throw some things at you. And these disciples were so entangled in, we can't let Jesus die because he draws the crowd. He's the one that makes sure we're fed. We gave everything up, our businesses, everything to follow him. And we've been faithful and we've been following him. And now he's saying he's going to be taken from us. You see, but if they would just trust him, instead of worrying about natural stuff, they would realize that the fact that he would go means that the paracletos, the Holy Spirit would come and they'd even have a greater role in the kingdom of God. See, I want you to realize you may feel like some things have been pushed back, taken away from you. You've been pushed to the side. Sometimes those things happen because God wants you to see he's got even a greater role than what you thought was out there for you. See, it's not up for you to give yourself a label or you give yourself a title. I have people say, well, you're this and you're that. And, and reputable people, and I know that I have certain gifts on my life and offices, but I don't go, you know, print it all. I just want you to know I'm this, 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 and this. I mean, there's times when I tell people what I need to, but I'm not out advertising, marketing the new name of the thing I know God's called me to. I'm just living it step by step, day by day, week by week, year by year. And I find that God blesses me greater that way because it ends up being bigger and greater than anything I could ever imagine. Remember way back there, I told you now, when I gave my life to Christ when I was 21, I thought I'd be in a little block church on a little church property of about 50 people on Sunday in my church living in poverty, but I don't live in poverty and our church is not a little block church and I'm not even in the same area of the state I was. God took me through this whole plan to bring me here to be with you right now and Pastor Steph and I to be able to help to bring this thing to pass through the power of God and other people serving with us so you could be here today on this property, in this facility and God has me sharing. I never would have dreamt that 30 years ago. I couldn't have believed it. I couldn't even conceived it in my mind. But if you'll just follow him step by step, I know the next 20 years is going to be greater than the last 30. Why? Because I know if I'll just follow him step by step, he'll make me into something more than I ever thought or imagined could be. And I want you to realize this. You will just let him, if you'll just trust him step by step, step by step, step by step. All the pain and all the good things, all the stuff, your history, relationships, all that. God will take all of that and raise your level of influence and power and skill set to be even more for him. But you gotta trust him and you gotta take the steps. Cause remember, you follow, he changes. You follow, he makes the changes.